My name is Scott. I'm the worship pastor here and just so glad to be able to share the Word of God with you today. Uh, I've been asked a couple times already if I got fired, so no, I have not <laughs> got fired. I just didn't want to have to lead worship and also speak at the same time. So just so honored today to be able to share the Word with you. We're in this series called Letters to Leaders. Uh, as you've already heard, Pastor Brian is on vacation. And um, man, we're just so honored to uh, be led by such a great leader. Pastor Brian, don't you appreciate and love Pastor Brian and Kasha? I just, I love those guys. And uh, they are taking some much deserved time away to rest and recharge. And uh, we're just hoping and praying. I saw on Instagram, uh, Gabe has only needed 10 stitches so far. So that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, mountain biking incident, I guess, but he was, seemed okay. So. Um, as you see today, I got my, Mich uh, my Michigan shirt on. I'm a, I'm a transplant to Michigan here. Uh, my family has been here for about nine months. We came here from the Seattle, Washington area. Uh, grew up in Minnesota, if, if you didn't know that about me, all my whole life. I grew up in Minnesota. We lived in Seattle for just a short time and uh, are glad to be with you in Michigan. You know, it sounds weird, but I woke up the other day and the humidity was so stifling and the mosquitoes were so large and I kind of was like, ah, this feels like home kind of, you know? <laughs> So uh, we're just so glad to be here. Uh, we took some real steps this weekend, my family and I, towards becoming uh, real Michi Michiganders. Is that what we say here, Michiganders? Okay. One of those was uh, we were in Chicago. On the way back, we stopped at, uh, I wrote it down so I could remember, Silver Beach in St. Joseph. Anybody know that place? Okay. Put our, put our feet in Lake Michigan and thought, oh, okay, now I feel, I don't know, however that works, I feel like I'm more of a Michi Michigander right now. The other thing we did this last week was we were at the movie theater here in town, and uh, as a staff, some of us went to see Toy Story 4, the whole families, we all went together, and so MJR Theater here, and I was initiated to the MJR Theater triple clap, if, you've, if you're familiar with what I'm talking about. Um, I, I was totally unprepared for what was about to happen at the MJR Theater. Uh, it's more than just a movie, it's a big night out! Hey, okay! I love it, I love it. That happened and I kind of was like, what is going on? And Jeremiah Mauricio was sitting next to me and he goes, don't worry, it'll come back around. <laughs> And so, came back, more than just a movie, it's a big night out. I was, I was already like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay. I feel some way more connected to Michigan because I was able to participate in the triple clap at the MJR Theater. <laughs> but just an honor to be with you today, to be able to share the Word of God with you today. I feel like as I've been praying and seeking the Lord for something to share, uh, that God has really spoken to me, a word that uh, for myself, wow, is just so convicting and so challenging. Do you know that the people that preach to you don't have it all figured out yet? Do you know that? I hope you know that. I hope you realize that. As I'm reading the Word and getting the Word into my head and into my heart this week, it was like, Oh, Lord, this is, 
so challenging to me personally to share this message. And so I hope today that you can take something away and, and be blessed and be encouraged. Uh, we're in this Letters to Leaders series where Paul is writing letters to uh, leaders of these uh, young churches in First and Second Timothy and Titus to encourage the church leaders and, and really teach them how to be leaders of these churches. And so the thing that we need to realize is that all of us, every one of us are leaders in some way. You might think, oh, well, uh, that's not, I don't need to listen because I'm not really a leader. Well, yes, you're a leader in some way or another, whether or not you're leading at your workplace, leading a team of people, leading whatever, leading your family, that's a huge one. Leading your kids or maybe just leading yourself, which oftentimes is the hardest uh, you're, you are the hardest person to lead. Does anybody identify with that? You are the hardest person to lead. Uh, at work, I can say to people that work in my department, hey, you, sh you should do this or you should do that. And they say, oh, okay, I'll do that. Uh, but sometimes for myself, I say, hey, self, you should do that. And then myself says, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> anybody? Okay. Uh, sometimes we're the hardest to lead in our own selves. And so uh, we're going to learn today about how to be better leaders here at Bethany, our mission is we help, take, we help people take one step closer by loving God, loving people, and loving life. We do this by, this is a reminder here, we do this by taking steps together, loving authentically, investing in the next, living generously, creating unforgettable experiences, sharing our story, and being fearless leaders. That's our core values, if you've never heard those before. Uh, the core values here at Bethany and under fearless, that's, what is, that's the series that we're in now. We're defining what fearless means. As leaders, we want to be fearless, which stands for fun, execute with excellence, aware, relearn, loving, encouraging, serving, and spirit-led. Last week, as we were uh, driving home from church, we like to try to review with our children, you know, hey, what'd you learn today in kids' church? And, um, you know, try to share a little bit about what uh, we learned today, we learned in the service. And so, so kids, we're, I have three kids. If you don't know, I have three kids. Uh, Mira is nine, Ellie is seven, and Judah is three, almost four now. And so, they said, okay, kids, what'd you learn today in kids' church? And they talked a little bit about what they learned, which, just side note, I am so grateful. I want to say publicly how grateful I am for the kids' ministry here at Bethany. Uh, man, just teaching our kids and raising them up in the Lord. Uh, what a great ministry. Pastor Mike and Ivy and the team down there just doing such a fantastic job to hear my kids saying back to me what they learned. Oh, man, as a parent, even just that small thing is like, oh, this is so wonderful. Uh, but anyway, so this is not one of those, this is so wonderful, I'm crying because I moved stories. But uh, I asked Mira, hey, what'd you learn? And she told me, and as we're driving home, uh, guess, uh, my wife Alyssa said, hey, we learned about being fearless leaders. And each of the, the letters in fearless stand for a character trait that we're trying to develop in us. Can anybody guess what F stands for? And from the back, Mira goes, farts! Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Close, but no. <laughs> so if you take anything away from today, please let it not be that. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Brian talked about fun. That is what the F in fearless stands for, fun. As leaders, we want to be fun. And I'm so grateful for a leader in Pastor Brian who totally and completely models what it is to have fun in ministry. Man, uh, one, one of the reasons we... Uh, decided to come here and work with Pastor Brian is because we just saw in him a, a man who, you know, he's serious about the task, but he makes it enjoyable for everybody around him. 
And I've served under some leaders where that's not the case, where, you know, you kind of feel like, like you're on the chopping block at all times. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe you haven't had that experience, but with Pastor Brian, it's, it's, a, it's a joy. And really, that's what ministry should be. What leadership should be is a joy. Not some heavy, oh my gosh, I hate my life kind of burden, but a joy. I, we talk about that in, in ministry leadership all the time. Your ministry should be a joy to you. There's challenging things, yes, all the time there's challenges. But that joy of the Lord that is our strength, that's what the word says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That joy should be something that we model and that comes out in the way that we lead others around us. And so I'm so grateful for Pastor Brian and the way that he um, models fun for us because ultimately, I hope you realize this church is not meant to be endured. This, what you come here to participate in every week, is not meant to be endured. We're hoping and praying that all the planning and preparing that we do is something that makes this enjoyable and enriching to your life. It's not meant to be a burden or a task to check off the list. Man, I hated that, but at least I did it. Boop, check. You know, it's meant to be something that is enjoyable and something that enriches you and edifies you. Church is not meant to be endured. It's meant to be enjoyed. Okay, let me just read uh, the text for today from Titus chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can turn there, Titus chapter 3. Uh, it, the words will also be on the screen if you want to follow along that way. Again, Titus, it was, written, uh, it was a letter written to Titus by the Apostle Paul, who's writing to these church leaders to explain to them how to best be leaders in their ministry context. Um, so Titus, uh, the issue for most of the book of Titus, is how to uh, live a life that models good theology, not just good works, not just good outward, you know, actions, but motivated by the right hearts and the right attitudes. So that's where we pick up in Titus chapter 3. I'm going to read nine verses here, okay? So follow along with me. Titus 3 verse 1. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Verse 3, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But, everybody say, but, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs and having the hope of eternal life. Verse 8, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Verse 9, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Let's just pray before we launch into the, uh, the meat of our word today. Jesus, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that I could stand up here and tell stories all day long, but it's your word and your Holy Spirit that changes us. It's your word that penetrates our hearts. It's your word that uh, makes its way into how we live our daily lives. So, Father, I pray 
even as you enabled Moses and Aaron and taught them what to say, put the words on their lips, I pray today that you would enable me to preach your word with boldness and authority. Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would take these words that come from your word and apply them to our lives so that we can be changed, we can be made more like you. Jesus, we thank you that it's you that, do, that does all the work in our hearts. So come now and move in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Has anybody ever missed a flight? You ever had that experience where you were supposed to go somewhere and you missed your flight? Anybody? Isn't that the worst? Just the absolute worst? Uh, in about 2014, my family and I, at that time, I had two kids and a wife. <laughs> uh, we were in Mexico and we flew on a, uh, one of these budget airlines and um, had a great experience, a great kind of vacation. We got to the airport at uh, noon and only to realize that noon was the time our connecting flight in Denver left to fly back to where we, where we lived. And so wife, myself, two small children, and we were stuck. And the budget airline people were very, um, how do I say this in a nice way? Uh, what? Farts? No. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> is that the first time you've ever said that in church? I don't know, maybe. Uh, they were in, indifferent is the word, I guess I would say. Hey, sorry, this is your fault. You missed a flight. Too bad. You know, which I guess that makes sense that they would say that. The solution was to buy four new plane tickets to fly home. And so we were, you know, young couple trying to figure out how to pay for this and just like, oh man, this is maybe the worst thing that could happen. And, and, and one thing, if you don't know my, I don't know if Alyssa's here yet, but if you don't know my wife, she has this uh, uncanny ability to, to um, maybe some of your wives are like this, to turn on the waterworks when they need to be turned on. Does that make sense? <laughs> Tears appear when they need to appear. And so, uh, as a result, she's often the one that deals with the customer service people in our relationship. <laughs> and so, she, you know, it was explaining to these people, in Mexico, so, so there you're dealing with people that maybe don't quite speak English as well as, as you'd like them to, right? And so, uh, she's, you know, talking to these, I'm trying to wheel the kids around in the stroller to keep them from freaking out, you know, and crying and all this stuff. And she gets taken back into the back room and like, you know, I don't know what happened back there, but you know, they're asking her all these questions and kind of interrogating her. At least that's how I play it in my mind is with the lamp and ah, what, what are you doing here? Probably didn't work out that way. But um, so at the end of the whole thing, this is a few hours in by now where they just said, sorry, you know, you got to buy four new plane tickets. And so then they finally just said, well, we're shutting this part of our, our, the airport down now you have to move out of here and so we ended up in the delta area where we found a lady who uh, Alyssa was able to talk with and explain the whole story to who was just so compassionate and so um understanding we had gone through something uh, uh, really difficult in our um uh let's how do i say it uh we had gone through something that was really challenging. And this lady had also had an experience very similar to that. And so they were able to kind of bond over that. And um, what, what, to make a long story, hopefully a little bit shorter, is she ended up saying, I will book you on a flight. You need to give me your credit card. And so we're like, ah, nuts. Okay, well, I guess that's how it's going to work. So gave her the credit card and um, you know, we're thinking the whole time, man, this stinks. We're going to, this is a really expensive vacation all of a sudden. And we got back home and we're waiting for the bill to come and the bill comes and there's no charges and we're waiting for the, okay, maybe just take a little time. 
the next bill comes, there's no charges, and we never were charged for any flights. And so, um, but I think what happened, either the Holy Spirit paid that and kept it off of our, our account, or this lady just uh, was kind to us and booked us on flights that got us home. And so my point with that whole story is your experience with uh, an organization, with even uh, individuals, your experience, that was a customer service experience, but your experience really kind of uh, colors how you see that particular company or that person for the rest of your life, doesn't it? If you have a good, outstanding customer service experience, you're more likely to go back to that company next time you need to whatever, do something or, or, or if, you ha- meet, if you talk to somebody and they're just so compassionate and so kind to you, you have a need the next time, you're gonna go back to that person because you had a great experience with them. And you know, it's that way in churches, it's that way in our lives. And today we're talking about excellence, execute with excellence. The E of fearless as leaders stands for execute with excellence. And it's kind of a tricky subject when it comes to church, right? Because um, we, oftentimes excellence can be seen as something that's expensive, right? Oh, well, in order to be, to be excellent, I have to spend the, be- the biggest money to get the best thing. Uh, And sometimes in churches, I know I feel it all the time when we're making purchases for stuff. You guys are faithful and giving to the Lord. And this is tithe money that you are giving for us to operate the best way that we know how. But sometimes finances, I don't know, maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this, but finances in the church can kind of get a little, I don't know. As the worship pastor, I feel it sometimes because they say, hey, everybody, guess what? I need 30,000 for some new projectors. (laughs) And everybody goes, what? How much? <laughs> uh, but um, the, what I want to talk about real quickly is uh, excellence in who we are versus excellence in what we do. Okay? Um, there, uh, having a clean facility, that's something that we do. Having a worship team that's rehearsed and ready to go and slides that are, have, don't have typos on them and uh, all of that is things that we do because we want to create a good experience. Don't you appreciate the worship team today? Oh man, I just love it. I love the worship team. I love being able to sit out there and receive and worship along with them. Uh, one team that, that operates every week here at Bethany that you probably don't think about unless something goes wrong is the production team. Don't you appreciate the production team? I, I like to say that the production team, I, there's lots of great teams here. But the production team is one of the most important teams, and I'm completely and totally biased. Uh, but one, the production team is one of the most important teams because if you don't have a sound guy, uh, worship's going to be a lot more awkward up here. <laughs> if there's no lighting person, well, I guess you could all hold your phones. Maybe that's a way to get people to raise their hands, right? Hold your phone the whole time with your flashlight on. But the production team, the production people that serve every week, um, those are all things that we do in order to try our best to create an excellent experience. And you know, uh, I get a little frustrated sometimes because there seems to be this attitude, I've seen it before, attitude where churches kind of think, well, it's okay if our lobby's a little dingy, people will understand. Oh, it's okay if the projectors blink on and off during the service. People will understand. It's okay if our parking lot's a little dirty. People will understand. Well, you know who understands is the people who are already bought into the vision of your church. The last time that I checked, the church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of those that are outside of the church. We are here to reach the people who aren't here. Isn't that amazing? 
And so we do everything that we can do to make this place attractive, not so that people will go, oh, wow, that's so wonderful. Your church is so great. The music is so, oh, I just love it. I mean, that makes you feel good when people say that, but we're working our best to make things excellent, to draw people into an experience with the presence of God. We say it almost every single week, that one moment in the presence of God can change everything. And so those are things that we do, um, but Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and reach the people in your church. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everyone. While we want to be excellent in what we do, it's more important to be excellent in spirit. And that's what we're going to talk a bit about today, being excellent in spirit. Pastor Brian said this last week, that character trumps talent every time. And I so appreciated that thought. Because who you are on the inside matters. We, and we talk about it with our volunteers here all the time. It, what matters to me more is who you are than what you can do. It's who you are on the inside versus just what you can do. Excellence in performance versus excellent in, excellence in spirit comes down to your motivation. So what drives us to be excellent? What drives us to do good works? In Titus 3 verse 5, we read it. He said, uh, the, uh, excuse me, Paul said, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. So it says right there, we can't earn it. We can't earn this love of God by doing the good, all the good things. We could do good things from now until Jesus comes back and we wouldn't earn anything from him. He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And so that motivates us to do those good works. God saved us. God saw you when you were at your lowest point. He saw you when you were at your absolute worst. And he said, yep, that's the one I want right there. And he came down, made a way for us to know him. And that's what motivates us to do good works, to encourage other people to know Jesus. In Colossians verse 3, verse 23 and 24, it says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ whom you are serving. And that verse right there, man, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. That kind of takes away this whole good enough mentality, right? I don't know if you're like me. There's, there's points where I'm either I'm working at home or doing something and I kind of look at what I've done and say, that's good enough, <laughs> right? And, and I see it, I've heard it from the mouths of people here in Adrian. Oh, it's, yeah, it's good for Adrian. Anybody ever heard anything like that? Or maybe said it? Oh, that's good for Adrian. Yeah, that's really great for Adrian. As if for Adrian is like, you know, some disqualifier or whatever. This verse that we just read from Colossians, do everything as you're working unto Adrian? No! Do everything as you're working unto the Lord. So for us here at Bethany, that gets real practical. Let's do the best that we can do in every ministry. Let's make this facility the best it can be. Let's make that parking lot team the best it can be so people driving into our church see a friendly face smiling at them. Parking lot ministry in Michigan, man. There's a calling, right? <laughs> All right, I'm going to talk real quickly about four characteristics of having an excellent spirit. Number one, a leader with an excellent spirit is humble and teachable. The key to this, ver the, to this point is understanding that you don't know everything. The more you learn, the more you realize that there is more to learn. I love the Word of God because, <laughs> because 
you know, there's verses and there's passages where, man, there's no hidden meaning here. So there are those, you know, those where we just uh, are reading through Ezekiel in our Bible reading that we all do as a group. And man, there's some stuff in there you read and you're like, I know there's some hidden meaning in there, but I have no idea what it is. <laughs> Anybody? Uh, but then there are the passages where there's no hidden meaning. Listen to this in Galatians verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 3. If anyone thinks they are important when they aren't, they're fooling themselves. Hello. <laughs> Okay, Romans chapter, chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to everyone of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but think as so to have sound judgment as God is apportioned to each a degree of faith. Oh man, listen to this. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. <laughs> have a nice day. Great to see you. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's, it's, it's understanding that we can learn as, as leaders, we need to have the attitude that we can learn from every single person that we encounter. Having that humble, teachable spirit. Because really, if you've encountered somebody who's unteachable, that person is difficult to work with. And a teachable spirit creates unity. An unteachable spirit creates disunity because you always think you know better than everybody else around you. So having a teachable spirit. And again, we read it in Titus 3. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. So we can't, learn, we can't earn it. Uh, we, have, we have to have an understanding of our position before the Lord, right? I haven't worked my way up to a certain status with the Lord higher than anybody else, right? Uh, but I have a humble and teachable spirit understanding my place uh, in God's view, this last week, we had a opportunity. I had an opportunity where I feel like God really spoke to me, and it's sort of a silly story, but uh, my son, Judah, three years old, bit his sister. Anybody have any biters when your kids were growing up? Uh, bit his sister right on the shoulder, teeth marks, the whole deal. And she's crying, which Ellie, six, uh, excuse me, seven years old, is kind of, we kind of think she's got the uh, gift of over-exaggeration, right? And so I believe it probably did hurt, but she was playing it up a little more than maybe it deserved. So she's crying and crying. Judah, did you bite your sister? No. <laughs> Judah Mark, did you bite your sister? No. You know, he's looking like this, no. I said, Judah, you look at me in my eyes. Tell me the truth. Did you bite your sister? And I'm ready to, you know, we're going to have some consequences, you know, that dad kind of rising up because he's lying to me now. <laughs> and he says, yes, but God loves us even if we're bad. <laughs> and I'm like, it's one of those moments as a parent where you're like, <clears throat> I got to turn around because all the discipline, everything is woo, out the window now. And I feel like that was a moment where, you know, I was ready to execute the judgment of the Lord. And I just had to laugh and, uh, you know, God speaking to me. But thanks also, BCC, for teaching my children how to get out of consequences. <laughs> Having a humble, teachable spirit. Number two, a leader with an excellent spirit is motivated to improve. 
A leader with an excellent spirit is motivated to improve. To improve, you have to be honest with yourself. I, I served on a worship team one time where I came into the uh, church and it was my first rehearsal with this new team and there was a lady that was scheduled and we were, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 minutes through rehearsal and she hadn't shown up and I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. I didn't know who this lady was, but then all, all of a sudden this lady comes kind of sashaying through the back door, big shades on, you know, puts her stuff down and gets her microphone. I was like, hey, um are you okay? Everything cool? Uh, we're almost done with practice here. She's like, yeah. And she introduced herself and she said, you'll get to know me. I'm just a late person. <laughs> and uh, you know, um, maybe you have issues like that in your life where you've kind of started to define yourself by things that maybe God wants to change in you. Have you ever said this? I just can't get out of bed. I'm not a morning person. I just can't get organized. I can't balance my checkbook. Oh, I'm just an emotional eater. I can't get my health under control. Oh, I'm just a yeller. That's who I am. I can't control my temper. Anybody ever said anything like that? I believe God would say to you today, you need to stop internalizing things that God wants to change in you. All right? Understanding who you are and being motivated to improve. Stop internalizing those things that God wants to change in you. Again, going back to our passage, verse 3, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. And, you know, as we read that, we kind of think, oh, wow, oh, ooh, yeah, those are bad. But we've all had moments like that, haven't we? But God saved us, and we're so grateful. Paul, you look at the guy writing, writing this passage, he was one of the things he was known for was his zeal and his passion for the Jewish faith. Uh, traveling around, finding Christ followers before God radically encountered, he radically encountered God. He was killing people. He was killing Christians. What if Paul just said, oh, I'm just real passionate. I just kill people. That's what I do. Well, of course, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> you don't just kill people. God took that passion inside of him and transformed it into something that, man, changed all of us sitting here today in this room. So let God take those things inside of you and, and redeem them and transform them into something that he can use. There's lots of ways to do this, lots of ways to know yourself. Um, I'm a big fan of personality tests. You know, they kind of give you a snapshot of who you are and where you are. Uh, there's lots of different options. Uh, one of my favorites is called 16personalities.com. 16personalities.com, 16personalities.com. It's a free Myers-Briggs personality profile test. Um, and there, some of these tests, man, I tell you what, I take them and I, I kind of get mad <laughs> when I read them because it's like, you don't know me test, but it's literally telling me everything about my life and who I am. Anybody ever had, anybody taken personality tests, Myers-Briggs, DIST tests, anything like that? Man, I encourage you, if you haven't done that, take, take 10 minutes and do it and try to get to know yourself, know who you are and know the tendencies that you have, Okay. Uh, number three, a leader with an excellent spirit is intentional. A leader with an excellent spirit is intentional. Leaders are intentional. Nothing great happens on accident. Nobody wakes up one day and says, oh, wow, would you look at that? I saved a million dollars, huh? Isn't that something? Oh, by golly, I just lost 50 pounds, huh? Weird. No, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. 
you have to be intentional to, to, to achieve great things. You need to be uh, great at planning. You need to be intentional. An excellent life takes excellent planning. A poor plan executed well is better than a great plan never made. Let me say that again. A poor plan executed well is better than a great plan never made. It's kind of like my, my uh, and maybe this is where I'm, it's getting a little close to home for me. It's kind of like my yard. Uh, I have this great desire to have this awesome yard. And I just struggle so much with it. I don't know. And, and I get really frustrated. But then when I look at it, I don't have a plan for my yard. I mow my grass. But I got weeds coming up all over the place. I, that, that's, the, that's the illustration today is that I can really want to have a great yard. I can really desire it in my heart. I can think about it and pray about it. Lord, help me with my yard. Maybe God, God, do a miracle in my yard. That's my prayer today. God, do a miracle in my yard. But I can want that so much inside. But if I never have a plan for how I'm going to take care of the weeds and make sure my grass is green and pick up the dog poop, <laughs> you know, stuff like that, it's not going to happen, right? You know what happens when you do nothing with your yard? Weeds. Weeds are what happen. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's a good illustration for us today. If you don't have an intentional life, what weeds have grown up because you don't have an intentional life. Let's look at some of the verses that we think maybe are some flyover parts of the Bible. Uh, in the Exodus 36 through 40, there's instructions uh, for Moses to build uh, this tabernacle, right? The Israelites traveling through the desert. And the instructions for this tabernacle are so, if you've ever read it, or you know what I'm talking about, it's so specific, like the type of material, how often to put the little uh, rings so that the poles can go. I mean, it's so like, and that's, I think, why it's hard to read sometimes because it's like, all right, great. Every few feet, there's going to be some rings and some jingly pomegranates and perfect. But the, the point today is that it's so specific, so intentional. These plans from God that he gave to Moses were so, so intentional. Moving on to 1 Kings chapter 6, when Solomon builds the temple, exact dimensions, materials, engravings, etc. Did you know that the cost today to build the temple that Solomon built is over $216 billion? Those, the Bible gives out all the different uh, amounts of gold and silver and bronze and all these different things. If you take that and you uh, add it up with today's uh, costs and values and stuff, over $216 billion. This does not include all the precious metals, bronze, iron, and ivory, cedar wood used in the temple. Those items were high quality, costly, and specific. Now today, we had the tabernacle, we had the temple. Where is the presence of the Holy Spirit meant to reside today? right here. So if there's specific, very detailed instructions for the tabernacle, very intentional, there's very intentional, high quality, high cost instructions for the temple, we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional about our lives. We need to be intentional about what we're growing and what we're building in our lives. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. 
And there's lots of ways to be intentional. Uh, if you've ever read The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson, anybody heard of that one, Circle Maker by Mark Batterson? There's a great chapter in there about being intentional with your life, making a life goal list. Like I actually made, after reading that book, I made a list of things I want to accomplish with my life. And I'd encourage you to do that with the Spirit's help. Pray and ask the Lord to show you. Uh, do you have a vision for your life? Do you have a vision for your marriage? I talked about my yard, but that's whatever. That's my yard. Do you have a vision for the important things in your life? Do you have a vision for your health? Do you have a vision for your children and what you want to instill in them as they grow up in your house? The artist Michelangelo said, the great danger for most of us is that our aim, excuse me, the great danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it. The great danger is that it's too low and we reach it. You have so much potential to not be intentional with your life. Lastly, real quickly, a leader with an excellent spirit knows how to prioritize what's important. In Titus chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. In 1 Timothy, Paul says, Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. Just real quickly, uh, this might hit a little close to home, but uh, when I was, a, maybe some of you had a mom like mine, <laughs> where in the summer, I learned really quickly not to say to my mom, school's out, you know, you have a few weeks where you're excited about summer and then it kind of gets, uh, I learned really quickly not to say to my mom, mom, I'm bored. <laughs> that happened usually one time a summer because mom would say, oh, are you? I have plenty for you to do, <laughs> which usually involved cleaning out the cat litter box or, you know, some other horrible task that nobody ever wanted to do. So we just found stuff to do. We learned not to say that we're bored to our mother. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some of the stuff that goes on on Facebook. I'm, you know, I'm watching some of these arguments on Facebook. Uh, I feel like some of the, the things that are most, the biggest turnoffs to people who don't know Jesus, who are far from the church, are Christians arguing with each other about stuff that doesn't matter. And I know, right, whatever, we don't want to be fooled by false teachers and all these different things. But let me say to you, there is too much to do. There's too much to do to reach the people that are around us. There's too much to do in Adrian. There's too much to do in this place to be sitting on Facebook arguing about stuff that doesn't matter. Oh, man. Right? Right? Okay. You guys hear my heart. I love you. But I'm sitting there. People that say, oh, I just, I don't have time to serve. I'm sorry. I don't have time to serve. Well, I'm, I'm watching what you're arguing about on Facebook. I'm saying, yes, you do, please, please, would you, there, there's a feature I, that you guys might not know about on Facebook. It's great. It, it's, it instantly turns all that stuff off. It's up in the left-hand corner when it's usually a red button with a little X through it. If you click on it, the whole thing closes down and then, hey, look, you got all this time. But just be aware that what you're putting out there on Facebook as a believer, it's called World Wide Web. 
because it goes to the world, <laughs> okay? So just be careful. Be aware of what you're posting on Facebook. Be aware of the things that you're arguing. You might think, oh, we're just having a healthy discussion. Have it in the messages or, you know, heaven forbid, call somebody on the phone to talk about your beliefs. You know, don't have arguments on Facebook in front of other Christians about Christian stuff, okay? Okay. First Timothy 6, I already read it, but let me read it again. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. Is that what you want? Is that what you want to get to the end of the day and say, oh, I, maybe somebody walked away because of, but I got my point across. Let me tell you what. No, of course we don't want that. We want people to be attracted to the fragrance of Christ in us the love of Jesus. They will know we are Christians by our great Facebook arguments. No, they will know we are Christians by our, you guys know it, they'll know we are Christians by our love. There's too much time to, there's too much to do to be wasting time. So let's be people that prioritize what's important. Let's be people that are intentional. Let's be people that are motivated to improve and let's be people that are humble and teachable. Amen? Amen. A couple quick, uh, real practical suggestions for you today before we dismiss. Um, in Galatians 6, it says this, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. So my encouragement to you today is to start small. You want to be a leader who has an excellent spirit? Let's start by planting seeds of excellence in our lives, okay? You don't go from dirt to a full-grown crop because you made a decision. I want to grow some corn. I need, to grow, I need to plant some corn and I need to take care of that and make sure the weeds all around it, you know, don't overtake it and water it. Make sure it gets enough sunshine and let that, let that crop grow so I can reap that harvest. So let's start small. Maybe some of you it will start by cleaning your car. Maybe it's taking care of your lawn. Jesus, do a work in my heart. Help me to take care of my lawn. Clean your house. Get off social media. Read the Bible. Soaping. Um, soaping. Scripture, observation, application, and pray. Uh, the first time I visited it and somebody said, hey, if you're soaping with us, we're so glad we're in blah, blah, blah. And I went, wait, we're doing what now? S soaping? <laughs> so that's a way that we together read the Bible. If you just hear the term soaping, it might be kind of confusing if you're new. It's a way that we all process through the Bible together because we believe we're better together. We believe that as we discuss and talk about the Word of God, it changes us. So maybe it's getting involved with a, a soap uh, plan or a Bible reading plan. Praying and ask the Lord to help us prioritize. Or maybe for you, it's, it's going to 16personalities.com and taking a personality test to know yourself better. Maybe it starts by making a life goal list. But as we respond to the Lord today, um, I want to encourage you to live with an excellent spirit. I want to encourage you to say to the Lord, Lord, would you help me be excellent in my relationships? God, would you help me to be excellent in my family? Would you help me to lead my family well? Would you help me not to internalize things that you want to change in me? I want to be excellent in my workplace. Let's pray. Jesus, 
I pray right now for those who are uh, listening to my voice, Father, those within the sound of my voice, that you would help us as we respond to your spirit today. Lord, would you take us out of that spiritual airplane mode where we don't send or receive any messages to you? God, we wanna, we wanna send and receive to you today. We wanna offer our prayers to you. We wanna hear your voice speaking to us. So God, as we're given the opportunity to make a decision in these next few moments, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves clearly, help us to respond to your word. We love you, Jesus. If you're in this place today and you're saying, Pastor Scott, I would love to take steps towards having an excellent spirit. If that's you today, and you know there's areas of your life that you need to give over to the Lord, maybe you don't know the Lord, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but as you've been sitting here today, God's been uh, speaking to you about having an excellent spirit. You know there's areas of your life that turning, over, turning them over to Jesus would be the best thing you could do. Or maybe you have a relationship with Jesus or you're far away from him today, uh, and you want to take a step towards Him. Would you just raise your hand real quick? Pop your hand up. If you could all bow your heads and close your eyes, uh, go ahead and raise your hand if you need to start a relationship with Jesus today or you want to recommit your life to Him. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for everybody who lifted their hand today here in this place or at home, God, that you would just come by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would help us, Father, to offer our lives to you, not just uh, the things that we do, but the condition of our hearts. Thank you, Father, that you came to the earth, you died on the cross, and you rose again so that we could have eternal life. And Father, we receive you into our hearts right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to respond to the message today saying, I know there's, I know there's things, I, I love Jesus, I follow after Jesus, but this has been a great reminder for me to uh, offer all of my heart and all of my life to him. Would you just raise your hand? I want to be excellent in the way that I live my life towards the Lord. I want to have an excellent spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you've called us to live an excellent life with an excellent spirit. God, I'm reminded right now by, by your spirit that even though we go through difficult things, we can still shine like the stars because of the excellent spirit that it resides in us. Father, you're transforming us and changing us from glory to glory. And we're so grateful. I pray for everybody in this room today that, Father, you would give us practical steps forward of how we can live in excellence, how we can live with an excellent spirit. Lord, as we offer up control of our lives to you, control of those things that we've been so desperately grasping, we release it to you and we say, Father, come and have your way in every heart and every life in this place. Lord, I pray that you would heal those who need healing today. I pray for those who have emotional wounds, that God, you would come and just begin to flow with your living water. God, that we wouldn't internalize things that you want to take. But Lord, you would help us to know maybe the next step is getting involved in a serve team. Maybe the next step is getting involved in a group. Maybe it's starting a Bible reading plan, but that every person here would have a concrete next step that right now, by the power of your spirit, you would just drop that next step into our hearts and minds and that we would take our next step by following what you're speaking to us. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. We say, come have your way in our church and in our lives. In Jesus' name, we said, amen. Amen.